I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, this is Get the Funk Out. That was a track off of Skylar Spence called I Can't Be Your Superman. And standing by on the first half of the show is Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Susan Steinberg. She produced a film called Mirrors to Windows, The Artist as a Woman. She's calling in from London, so I want to bring her on right now. Good morning, Susan. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for calling in. What a distance. You're much softer now that you're recording. Oh, I am? Recording. Oh, maybe I should change my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's better. Okay. That's fine. No, it's, it's all fine, really. I was just teasing. Okay, good. So thank you so much for calling in. I know you're calling in from London, and I appreciate you taking the time and also dealing with the time difference. My pleasure. You have it's a lovely fall day here. Oh, it is. What is the temperature? Yeah. What is what's the weather there right now? Well, it's it's warm. It's actually quite warm for for this time of the year. It's probably about um, I would say it's about fifty five degrees. All right, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to get into this film. I was watching some clips this morning uh, about your film, Mirrors to Windows: The Artist as a Woman. Could you give mm-hmm. a little backstory about? What inspired you to make this film? Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, I had always, I'd made a lot of films for American television on very powerful men, mm-hmm. um, from Don Hewitt, who created 60 Minutes, to Ahmed Erdogan, who founded Atlantic Records, to Edward R. Murrow, who was the father of broadcast journalism in the United States for CBS. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make a different kind of film. I wanted to make a film on a different kind of power, uh, like a power of self-belief. And a lot of people had always said, why don't you make a film about yourself? And I said, well, no, 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 I would never do a thing like that. That's crazy. And they said, well, and I thought to myself, it's not about me, but I wanted to make a film about all the women who work creatively I have known throughout the years of working basically around the world, certainly in America a lot, but also in other countries. And I decided to make a film about artists. And I was living in London, and I um, couldn't get any work here, even though I'd had things broadcast here. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do. So I started out making a film about women, and I wanted to make a film about a biography. But I couldn't make a film about one person because I wanted to be someone from the age of, like, 23 to 83. Well, that's Mm -hmm. impossible unless it's an archive film. So I decided to make a collective film, to make a collective biography and cast an ensemble. 
And that's what I did. I made a film about 10 different women, all who work in different mediums, mm-hmm. all from different backgrounds, from age 23 to 83. Mm-hmm. And I made, it's a sort of cross-generational coming-of-age story about, about an artist, about the artist, and about anybody who works in a creative field. And that's how it all came about. Oh, I love it. And how did you go about selecting these specific artists? That was that was very tricky. You know, someone said to me, um, I worked for the Maisels before the thing. People always said, you know, casting a documentary is 90% of it. So I spent nine months casting. I, I searched. I had an intern whose parents were art critics, and I had her find me lots and lots of artists, and I would look at their work, and I must have looked at the work of about 150 artists who all worked and lived in London. Mm-hmm. And if I fell in love with their work, then I would do a studio visit, and I'd probably visit about 50 people. And wow. I made the selection based upon a couple things. Number one is, what was their backstory? You know, what, what brought them to where they were in life? Were they different enough from each other? Were their ages different? Was their medium different? But also, did they have... Um, could I relate to them? Did they mm-hmm. did they have a rapport with me, and would they allow me to make an intimate story and not just a story about their art, but about life? And it was through That's that amazing. process that I either bonded with people or I didn't. It was almost like dating, you know, sure. kind of <laughs> either it works or it doesn't. Right. And that's how I eventually um, cast the film. It it's very interesting because you were ta- you and I were talking offline about how you moved to London. And mm-hmm. you, know, you moved from Manhattan. Um, you said New York. I'm assuming was it Manhattan? Yeah, Manhattan. Manhattan Absolutely. to London, and then this whole project evolved. I mean, it must have been yeah. an incredible experience. It was because you know, as a documentary filmmaker, I usually don't know much more than well, not exactly the average person, but I think of myself as you know, not knowing that much more than the average person about a subject. And of course, by the time you get through with it, you know a hell of a lot. And so it was a wonderful experience to be an immigrant here. And I, even though I was an American speaking the same, so to speak, language, mm-hmm. I was an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And this, this um, film and making it gave me access to England and the heterogeneous society that England has, that London has become over the last, you know, 10, 15 years like the rest of Europe. I mean, America was always like that, certainly New York, but Europe wasn't. And, and it's been a very interesting experience to have that as the kind of the keyhole into the creative world of, um, of Europe and of um, England. Although there is an American who features very strongly in my film, whose name is Helene Blumenfeld. Oh. Um, Helene was born in New York. Um, she, has a, she had a Ph.D. in philosophy out of Columbia University, mm-hmm. and she ended up becoming a major, major sculptress after moving to Paris and, um, and, and developing these skills you know, after she got married and moved to Paris when she was still quite a young woman, but, but her story is quite paramount in the film that you're going to see. Well, that I hope you see. Well, I, I, I would love to see it because I only saw the trailer. You know, I have to say, um, I was watching some clips of some interviews you had done, and mm-hmm. one of the things that's very fascinating to me is how you talked about how women, after they have children, they go through this later stage of a career in their lives. They're doing things later in their lives, perhaps they always wanted to do, or maybe they're more courageous. Could you touch on that a little? I absolutely can. I mean, first of all, 
I didn't realize that I'm a perfect example of it because mm-hmm. here I am having had a, a career of making films for public television, et cetera, in the United States for a very long time. And I came here and I had to reinvent myself. Yeah. I've never made an independent film my entire life. I've always worked for television where they've, I've had a budget, I've had a producer, I've had a crew, I've had, you know, marketing, I've had all that stuff. And I never thought I'd make an independent film, but I am. Yeah. But what really, what really was amazing to me was when I met Rose Wiley. And Rose Wiley was a painter. She is a painter. She was basically discovered when she was 76 years of age. What? She, yeah. <laughs> She, she was discovered in the most extraordinary way. She's very British. Her husband was a painter, and she had some difficulty. She had children quite young, and her and her husband did a very typical thing. They said, well, I'll, he said, I'll make a living, because she said he had a resume, and she didn't. And, and, and she'll raise the children. And she had one child who wasn't terribly um, well and had to be put into a, in a community eventually. Mm-hmm. And she didn't go back painting really until after her children had grown up and she had put this daughter of hers into um, a, a community home yes. and um, and then she started working again full time but she was well into her 50s when that happened and it wasn't when she was 76 she was shortlisted for the National Museum of Women in Washington D.C. to represent the U.K. Oh my gosh, and incredible. Yeah, and, and she and she, she got accepted there, and Jermaine Greer found out about her, and she wrote this huge article that had headlines all, I mean, headlines in the art sections, you know, but all the major newspapers in the U.K. saying, Best Artist Year Discovered at Age 76. Oh, I love it. And, yeah, and then her career just blossomed, just blossomed, and she is now one of the hottest artists, well, possibly in the world, but... Certainly, she became a royal expedition. She won this major prize that people like David Hockney and Lucian Freud won last year. Um, the John Bar- I think I'm not. I'm not going to say the name because I don't okay. think I have it correct. Okay. But she's. I went with her and photographed her on her 80th birthday doing a solo show in in outside of Berlin, and oh, she's. Incredible. You know, it's just extraordinary, and and her whole life experience being part of the film, and really at the end of the film, serves the purpose of giving us all a great deal of optimism and hope mm-hmm. and aspiration not for fame, but for the fact that your life doesn't stop and that, you, that women often have the top of their careers, not when men's careers often top. They often top their, in their 50s or 40s. Mm-hmm. But women's careers after they've had children or not had children, and I don't have children, but really can can top at later point in their life and women become more energetic and they have more stamina and they just keep going and they now feel free to do what they've always wanted to do so mm-hmm. it's a very optimistic film for women and i hope for men for men too you know men do relate to this film very easily yes so that's how this all really evolved well i thought and that it, was so fascinating because of the fact that uh, the whole thing with I'm a mom and that something does happen. You get more creative. You have these uh, different things you want to do. You might not be doing the same thing you got your degree in at all. Yeah. H- how many children do you have? I have two girls. And how old are they? 16 and 13. Right. Well, you know, 
you still have your whole life ahead of you, and I think that's right. the trajectory for for majority of women. Yes. And I I wanted to, you know, we live in a very depressing time of the world. The world is really in very bad shape, and I wanted to create. I want to create an aspirational story. I want there to be role models, positive role models for creative people, not just women, but men also, from all ages when they start out, so that they would have some idea of the world and the life that they were entering, and to show them what it took to be an artist, but to also give them the joy and the satisfaction that comes not out of fame, but out of doing, right. and out of doing what you want to do in this life. Yes. And that. That's a big message in the film, to have self-belief and to do what, what you love. Oh, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, I'm reading this interesting book about vulnerability and putting yourself out there and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, we take risks. And, and especially as an artist, you know, people might not like your work or if you're a musician, an artist, mm-hmm. anything. But Absolutely. You, you take risks and you have to stop caring what people think and just do what's true to your heart. There's a woman in the film named Alice Anderson who says, I think one of, during the film, I used to think about this when I was struggling over these four years of making this film, and I kept on thinking about something she said. She said, you wake up in the morning and you want to do something, and if people get it, that's a gift, but at least you're doing what you want to do in this life. And I I kept on thinking of that, and it kept on holding me in some kind of way during those you know, years of, of kind of struggling, trying to figure out what this film is actually going to be. Mm-hmm. M- may I ask, what age were you, yeah. when, you when you started this film? Because it's a whole new chapter of your life that you were starting. Yeah, I, I, I was 60. 60? Yeah. Yeah, which sounds young. <laughs> actually, it sounds very young when you talk about somebody who's 80, you know. And well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about somebody who's 80. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> but, but I... I um, I relate to her very well. I mean, she and I both lost our partners, and I met her shortly after her husband died mm-hmm. and shortly after my partner died, who was the reason I moved to England. Oh. And it was really through working, going back to making the film, which was my identity before I ever moved here, before I ever met him, mm-hmm. that carried me through those dark days. Well, it's incredible, and that you were also feeling drawn to London. Well, he lived here. Oh, he did. He lived here. Right. It was, you know, we, yeah. we we commuted quite a bit, but after a certain point, you know, he lived here. So, uh, That's I, right. you know, it wasn't just I wasn't going to pick up and move just for the hell of it. Sure. Although I loved coming <laughs> here and stuff, but yeah. he lived here full time, and and, mm-hmm. and and I, I felt that um, I had made so many of the same kind of films for American Masters, which I loved. But as I said, I was making a film that didn't seem to be able to be finished, and then, of course, it did get finished and mm-hmm. all. But, you know, at the time, it seemed like, what the hell? You know, you might as well take this chance and, with life, and, and that's what I did. Exactly. Did it occur to you that it would take, you know, three years, or did you, did you feel no. like... Yeah, I mean, did, did you feel like it would take longer, or, you know... Pardon me? Did you feel like it would take longer, or... No, 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 no. no. I thought it would take much shorter. I, I First of all having never made an independent film, and I couldn't get any funding. Oh. I couldn't get any funding despite the fact that I have a very strong background as a documentary filmmaker with, you know, all sorts of a Peabody Award. I'm not saying Mr. Bragg, but I no, have an Emmy, ahead. I have a Peabody. Nobody wanted to fund me. That's ridiculous. It was not a subject <laughs> that people felt was sexy or popular or something. I don't know exactly. Ridiculous. So I had to do it all myself, and this was the first film I basically shot myself. Mm-hmm. 
I shot it, and I uh, had the editing in my um, in my flat, and I worked with interns, kids just out of school, and I I kind of mentored them, and you know paid them minimum wage, and mm-hmm. they were my hands, and they helped me, and and um, that's how I made the film. I think that's great, and I love that you gave them an opportunity. <laughs> it's sort of like you know my own graduate school of um, a filmmaking here with very talented young people. Well, that's what I was going to say. I love that you gave these young people an opportunity to be part of this. Mm. I, I hope that they feel the same way. I mean, I think there's a couple who really did. Raphaela Ferns was between her second and third, you know, second or almost between her third and fourth year in university would be in America. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what was there. She started as an intern for me doing um, graphic design, and she ended up being a co-editor, and she and I edited together the first cut, which was a major undertaking for over a year. And then after that, she went on to something else, and I, I, at the end, because I had this opportunity to show it at the Royal Academy Museum in London on International Women's Day as its first ever outing and screening, I hired a professional to work with me for six weeks named Nick Watson, and mm-hmm. Nick and I then professionally really pulled the, the sort of roving uh, first cut together into the film that you see. Now you were just in uh, L.A. for the uh, mm-hmm. for the International Film Festival. It was October seventeenth. Tell me about that. Yes, L.A. Farm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was indeed. It was an exciting place to go back to because I went to the AFI as a director fellow years ago. Oh, you did. And I went to UCLA, so oh. I spent a lot of time. And I was a part-time screenwriter for. I was a screenwriter with um, for. You know, he's trying to be for 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 several years. As a, besides being an editor, so I'm very familiar with California. You've worn a lot of hats. <laughs> you have. I have worn a lot of hats, and it's been exciting to wear so many hats. And I hope that I hope that I'm an example to people as well as the women in my film. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I have often struggled with. I got a, a PhD when I was 28, and it was really I did yes, and it was more and what? like. Uh, educational media and technology. Wow! From Boston University, it was I mm. call it mental boot camp because I didn't set out to say I want to go teach, you know, be a professor at a university. It was mm-hmm. I was kind of mm-hmm. going through a tough time and threw mm-hmm. myself into this. And and I feel like as a woman, you can have all these different experiences because later on they they just compliment you, and you never know you're going to use those skill sets. That's absolutely true, and I think that. That there's a lot of things. I mean, people. I remember once when I couldn't get couldn't get any work because, uh, well, whatever. As you know, the film business is a very fickle business. And I started trying to get other work, and they said, "Well, what can you do?" And I said, "Well, honestly, if you could produce a film, you can do tons of things. You know, there's there's so much I know how to do just by osmosis, just by doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you mean by boot camp. Right. You you really do come out with lots of skills that aren't valued necessarily as individual skills." But in the long run, they really are valuable. They are. And even, like, I look at my own girls, and I think, what can Mm -hmm. I have them do as teenagers um, to just build confidence? You know, as a woman, like, I did crazy odd jobs. I remember being Mm, in college. Yeah, what did you do? I painted houses. (laughs) There you go. What did you do? Well, I... I, um I really started off in the film business very, very early, right after school, because I fell in love with it. But I did, I did, um, I did everything. I really started on the bottom. Mm-hmm. I really started at the very, very bottom, sinking up dailies, being a gopher, being a PA, um, being an assistant editor, being anything I could be. And um, right. so, in a way, I was always within the world of film because I fell in love with it. But it still gave me lots of different. Um, 
lots of different trades and lots of different kinds of people I worked with who I learned so much from. That's a lot more exciting than painting houses. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, believe me, when you're thinking of dailies and you're putting away trims and editing room, it doesn't, sound, All right, maybe it doesn't not. feel exciting. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. You're really low, Matt, on the totem pole. But, you know, I don't have any regrets at all. I really don't, because it taught me the language of film. Film mm-hmm. editing taught me the language of film, and I've never, ever, um, it's, it's where I make my films. I make my film in the editing room. It's the paint box. It's my paint box. And it's a, it's a very exciting way to make films. It's not done too often these, these years mm-hmm. because people um, think they want to make things very quickly. Right. But you can't really make films quickly um, the, way I, the way I've made films and the way other people I know have made films with, um, when, where the editing room is your um, paint box. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to mention, because the theme of the show is Get the Funk Out, and I've always been fascinated how we go through these periods that, perhaps seem very dark and it's tough and and then you find your way out and you think wow I'm a stronger better person because I went through that can oh I love this I get get the funk out that's the name of your show yes it is get the funk fantastic. out. fantastic thank you yeah so I, well, I think that's true well there was an interesting quote on your website would you throw, uh-huh. out, throw out your website for people yeah go, go ahead what is your website www.nearestowindows.com Okay, so when I went to that website, there was an interesting quote. You said, you can't develop and change unless your life develops and changes. And That's right. And I like that because even our lives develop and change in positive and negative ways, and you learn from all of it. So You absolutely do. And it was actually, I didn't actually say it. Um, I, I just want to say my website, I want to say it again slowly. It's okay. www. Mears2Windows.com, and that's okay. spelling T-O for two, okay. not the number. But actually, it's Helene Blumenfeld who said that to me, and I thought it was another thing. I learned from these artists so much. And she was talking about change, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how her work developed over a period of time and how one had to take risks and how your life had to change in order for your work to change. And I really... Lived it, lived it out myself in these last years to really be able to embrace that idea myself, and I think that's absolutely true. Before we wrap up, would you give advice for somebody who, you know, they have a project or they, they don't know where to start, you know, just kind of moving them forward in a positive direction? Yeah, I think, I think um, it's very, I mean, if, if it's a film project, I think it's extremely difficult. I mean, I've had a difficult time. But I think the most important thing is to stick to it. Tenacity is the name of the game. You have to stick to it. You have to believe in it. And you have to do whatever is necessary for it. And sometimes it doesn't mean you have to be a bad person or ruthless, but you have to kind of stick with it, stick, stay, stay with it, because you have to be able to really roll with the punches of life. And if you care enough and believe in it, most likely it will amount to something. Yes. And I think that's a bit, uh, you have to finish things. There's so many people who don't finish things. Yes. They have these brilliant ideas, and they don't finish it. So I think tenacity and determination, are they really are terribly important qualities to have in any creative endeavor that you undertake. I don't mean just art. It could be writing a book. It could be composing music. It could be becoming a wonderful scientist. It could be a mathematician, uh, a researcher. I mean, I just think the notion of taking something as far as it'll go that you love is very important, and yes. that's what you have to hold on to. I love that. 
Susan, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, Susan Steinberg. Thank has, you so much. Oh, I really, again, I want to throw out the website. It's Mirrors to Windows, M-I-R-R-O-R-S-T-O, windows.com. Susan Steinberg. If you missed any part of today's show, it will be up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And can I also just yes. mention something? Um, I'm, I'm running a crowdfunding campaign right now, and we're selling DVDs, and they would make great Christmas presents that would be quite unusual for people that you know, young and old, yes. who have any interest in the arts, men or women. So if you go to... Um, if you go to my website, you'll find that link also. Wonderful. And I really appreciate you doing this for me. Lovely to talk to you. Oh, you too. You too. And I hope to meet you sometime. Likewise. Okay. Likewise. Very Thanks much so. so. I'll right. put you, I'll be in touch. Oh, Thank wonderful. You. Thanks, Bye. Susan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Susan Steinberg calling in from the UK uh, to talk about Mirrors to Windows, the artist as a woman. Again, it will be up on my blog within an hour after I wrap. Getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. If you want to find out about want to find out about being a guest on my show, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be joined by natural health expert Cheryl Myers, who's going to talk about the power of grape seed extract and OPCs.